0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Jonathan Anthony at our Burragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. So my question to you tonight is, what are you here for? What are you here for? Do we have that question, Ed? What are we here for? (coughs) Click it away. That's it. What are you here for? This is actually one of the primary questions that Rick Warren posed in the early 2000s when he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And so many churches jumped on the bandwagon and did the 40 days of purpose, you know, doing the course and all that and going through the principles. And then now the fad is finished. And I wonder... How many Christians and how many churches have actually discovered their purpose? How, how many Christians have actually discovered their sense of direction in life as to where they are going? In fact, uh, as you go through the 30 days of purpose, you actually begin to explore what it is. And, and Rick Warren presented those aspects as a biblical response to this question, What? Are you here for? What is the point and what is the purpose of life? Long ago, the prophet Jeremiah dealt with this essential question as he ministered to the people of God in his day. Jeremiah at times may appear to be so negative and strong in his messages and sometimes it wasn't received well by the people. But in reality, his call was to challenge the people of God to a great awakening. He was preaching and teaching the people of God about living and demonstrating faithfulness in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of temptation, and in the midst of challenges that they may be facing at that time. And so today, as a continuation of our series on friendship, we will be exploring on this aspect of trust, because I believe that trust is one of the building blocks of friendship. Not just friendship with each other, But also friendship with God. If you have a friend and there is no trust present as a building block of that human friendship and that human relationship that you have. That friendship is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go deeper. It's not going to go further. Why? Because trust is important. Amen? Trust is one of the building blocks of friendship. If it is one of the building blocks of friendship with each other relationally, it is also very essential as a building block with our relationship with God. As He was calling us to be His friends and no longer servants, we are God's friends. And so, therefore, that environment, that building block, that very foundation of trust has to be settled once and for all. Who do you trust? Trust in the Bible literally means a bold, confident, sure security or action based on that security. So in other words, if your confidence is in God Almighty, the creator of the universe, and you trust Him wholeheartedly, you won't be staying in the same place. Why? Because it will cause you and it will move you into action. That is one of the dynamics of trust. The people of God were going through very tough times during the ministry of Jeremiah. They felt threatened by their enemies. Just as we are right now in our day. We are also threatened by our enemies. Terrorism. You know, all these other things that are happening around the world. They were also experiencing some economic hard times. Their way of life was being threatened. And this made the people of God very vulnerable. Politically, things were unstable and volatile. And so, therefore, the challenge that Jeremiah wanted to pose to the people of God is that who do you trust? Where do you put your trust? Does that sound familiar to you? Proverbs 3, verse 5 is very specific. The writer of Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of your heart, not 10% of your heart, with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And if you continue, it says, and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And He will direct your path I believe that the prophet Jeremiah has a practical and applicable word of challenge for us today. And so our reading is found in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through to 8, which really offers a sombering commentary concerning the two different ways of life that you want to live. And so Michael Rams is going to read it to us tonight. So, and if you have your Bibles with you, you can open it or follow it on the screen, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 8. Thank you, Michael. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Wonderful. Thank you, brother. At the dawn of creation, there's always been two contrasting aspects of the human life and existence. Right in Genesis, we can see God created night and day, light and darkness, sun and moon, sky and earth, good and evil, narrow and wide, curse and blessing. And you can continue on black, white, milk, honey, salt and pepper. And you can think of all these other things, all these aspects. And that started at the dawn of creation. But you know what? Let me tell you that hope, health, healing, wholeness, restoration, and transformation come because of the power of God to change our sinful condition in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. We cannot do it by ourselves. It would be foolish to try. And so therefore, in this passage of Scripture... The prophet Jeremiah was basically presenting two ways and two paths and two aspects that the people have to choose. And he showed that, the difference. The curse and the blessing. The cursed life and the blessed life. So often, people attempt, myself included, to live life and do it by ourselves. And we know that when we do it ourselves, it just leads into destruction. It leads into Uh, Misery, And so Jeremiah calls that kind of choice and and direction as uh, the curse, the path of the curse. And so tonight, I would like to propose to you that there are only two ways to live just based on this passage. And God has given us the free will and the choice. And so therefore, the choice is yours. And the two aspects I want to propose to all of us tonight is that You can choose to live the cursed life or you can choose to live the blessed life, the blessed life. And actually the choice is yours. What does it mean living a cursed life? Living a cursed life means trusting in yourself. Verse 5 of our passage, Jeremiah boldly and decisively proclaims, this is what the Lord says. Now there's a lot of things that the Lord had said. There's a lot of things that the Lord have seen people doing. And so then Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord said. It wasn't something that he came up with. It wasn't something that was just Jeremiah's kind of prompting and feeling like, oh, I have a sense that this is what the Lord is saying. I have a feeling. I have a gut feeling. I have this intuition. No, it's not like that. He said, this is what the Lord says. And you know what? We know for a fact that prophets are God's mouthpiece. And so therefore, what they say and what they speak, Represents the word of God. And so Jeremiah premised this cursed and blessed life by saying. This is what the Lord says. Verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man and draws strength from mere flesh. Jeremiah did not say, curse is the nation. Curse is the family. Curse is the community. Curse is the village. Curse is whatever it is. institution." Cursed is the one. God wants to speak to the one. God wants to speak to you as an individual. God wants to speak to me as an individual. This is a word for me and this is a word for you. Cursed is the one who trusts in men and draws strength from mere flesh. Living a cursed life means trusting in yourself rather than in God. Here, Jeremiah describes that as a cursed life. When you think that you can live on your own. When you think that you are okay to survive on your own. That is living the path of the cursed life according to Jeremiah. When you trust in man and draw strength from mere flesh. You know what? This is the natural tendency and the tragic philosophy of life and most people. They live the Frank Sinatra doctrine. I did it my way. Sinatra 1 verse 1. I did it my way. That was the crooner's declaration. It's as if like I can do it my way. I don't need God in my life. You know what, let me tell you, Simon, I've just prayed with the ongoing coronavirus that is spreading so rapidly at an alarming rate. And we've just heard today that the first case of death in the entire country of Australia happens to be in Perth, Charles Gardner Hospital. It's actually closer than we think. It happened today. And because of that, it affected the stock market as of Friday. The stock market lost $232 billion. Wow. Imagine the people who put their trust in their investment. Who put their trust in stocks and in finance and the security of the wealth that they have. We have heard so many people say, I trusted in one of the big four banks. And look what happened to our finance and banking sector. Many survivors of religious uh, abuse in religious institutions have placed their trust in their leaders. And now many survivors are suffering and people have lost their trust in religious institutions. Families have entrusted their er elderly in the care of our aged care facilities. And look what's being exposed in our aged care facility. Employees have trusted their employers that they will be treated and paid fairly only to discover that they have been unfairly compensated. The most recent are celebrity restaurant owners, chef, you know, owners and supermarket giants have all been exposed and accused of wage theft to the tune of the millions. This kind of trust is futile and foolish. The end result is to be accursed. Misplaced trust. When you discover that you trusted someone or something. And that trust is broken. It destabilizes you. In fact to the point it could lead to destabilizing your own faith. And questioning your own faith. And yet here God is saying to his people. Cursed is the one who trusts in themselves. Trust in human strength. Trust in mere flesh. Isaiah 2 verse 22 says. Stop. Trusting in mere humans who have, who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? You know, I believe that the human race have become so arrogant and prideful, especially in the West. One of the, one of the things that we've learned as an India team, the one who went recently, you were here last Sunday night. One of the things that we've learned and discovered about that trip was that we have seen The level of trust of the Indian people, of the organization that we were partnering with. That they trust God in everything. In everything. Not just in some things. They trust God in everything. And you know, the downside for us in the West, I think we have become so arrogant and so prideful. We have become so developed. We have become so self-sufficient. We have become so independent. We have, we have become highly developed initiative that when, when we pray to God for something, after we say amen, we then work out rationally how we can answer our own prayers. The problem with the Western world, including myself because I live here now, is that we don't even need to pray for our next meal. We open our pantry, we open our fridge, and food is there. And yet we have seen people in India that they rely on God even for their most basic need. Even the next meal, where it's going to come from, they look to God. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20 and chapter 3 verse 9, he says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And so therefore, the danger of trusting in our wisdom, in our abilities, in our human strength, in how developed we are, and how independent we are, God is calling that foolish. And that is what it means to live a cursed life. When you trust In humans and in yourself. The second is that living a cursed life means turning from the Lord. Verse 5 says that when you put your trust in man, you're not putting your trust in God. Your heart turn away from God. Turn away from the Lord. And this is exactly what happened to the people of God during the time of Jeremiah. And he described that as a curse because the hearts of the people turned away from Yahweh. This situation and state of being is so tragic when, when, when people turn their heart away from the Lord. It's like a lifeguard throwing a rope or a, 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 a tube into a drowning person out in the ocean and the person refuses and swims away. Imagine how that feels. And that's exactly how God was feeling. Why? Because these people of God, they were worshippers of Yahweh at the temple of Jerusalem. And yet at the same time, they also worshipped the other Canaanite gods and the idols. And so there was, idolatry was rampant among the people of God. Not just worship, but even offerings. Now imagine how God must have felt like that. Seeing his people turn away. After what He has done for them. Delivered them out of Egypt. The people saw the parting of the sea. The people saw the ten plagues of Egypt. The people ate bread from heaven that only angels ate. And not one human being have tried and tasted it. They drank water out of the desert. They have experienced all of that. And yet they still have the capacity to turn away from Him and worship other gods. Turning from the Lord. You know, Jesus was actually alerting us to that in the story of the rich young ruler in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 19 verses 21-22, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he turned away. He went away sad because he had great wealth. I'm not sure if we have some parents here who have experienced or are experiencing rebellion from their children. I have met, spoken, and sat down with many parents whose hearts are broken because of the rebellion of their children. It breaks their hearts. The pain is so deep. And I can only imagine how God must feel when His people choose to live a cursed life and turn away from him after what he has done for them. Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. I believe that it breaks the heart of God when he sees his people whom he loves so deeply turn away from Him, from His plan, His will, and His purpose for them. You might say, oh, that's Old Testament language. We are no longer uh, uh, under the curse. Yes, it is true, praise God. We are no longer under the curse because Jesus has paid it all. But also, please understand that there are consequences to your choices. And never think that you can flip. And point a finger at God and say, why have you done this to me? When you ha- are the one who have made and chosen that path for yourself. Why? Because you will reap what you sow. God cannot be kind of uh, just you know, taken back against His word or something. Or take back His word. It's so clear in the Bible. Yes, we are no longer under a curse. But we are also, the, the exercise of our free will and our freedom has consequences. And it's very clear laid out in the Bible. You will reap what you sow. Whatever it is that you sow, you will reap. Therefore, there are consequences to your actions. There are consequences to your choices. And be prepared for that. Don't flip it back to God and say, why is this happening to me? Where you're the one who made that choice to walk down that path. That is what it means. The curses will overcome. But you see, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 is very clear. That we just need to fix Our eyes on Jesus. Instead of turning away from God, we need to turn to God and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So that we will be spared from turning away from the Lord. Living a cursed life means tumbles through life without direction. Verse 6. It says, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no life lives. The cursed life is one that trusts in self, turns away from the Lord, and tumbles through life without a sense of purpose and a sense of direction. This is basically the essence of what Jeremiah is talking about in verse 6. Of our passage, In particular, this juniper bush, when it is just kind of snapped off from the branch and just laid bare on the ground in the desert. And when the wind blows, this bush will just get blown away in any and every different direction and no purpose and no direction at all. That is the picture that Jeremiah was talking about. They will be like a bush in a wasteland, like this is a wasted land. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched, dry places. Not just that in the desert, but also in a salt land where no one lives. Now you know, if you have understanding of gardening, that if the soil is acidic, no plant or flower or bush or tree will grow. If it is too salty, it doesn't grow. You have to neutralize the soil. You have to create and put an environment where the roots can actually grow and flourish and go deeper. So that you will see flourishing of your flower or tree. Why? Because nothing grows in a salt land. Nothing grows in the desert. There's a little bit of shrub, but nothing really basically grows in the desert. And then very soon you just wander through life aimlessly. With no purpose and no sense of direction. This is a very sad description of so many people today. They're just like tumbleweeds. They're just like weeds in the desert that just gets blown by the wind. Go here and there and everywhere without guidance from the Lord. No direction, no purpose and still searching what it is I'm here for. Living a life in the bush, in a bush, in the wasteland, parched places, in the desert, salt land. is basically a description that Jeremiah wanted to paint to the people that this is part of God's judgment. This is part of God's judgment for you. And you know what? This is the worst place to live. And the worst position to be at. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And in IV it says, Where there is no revelation, people are cast off restraint. Wow. I've met a lady two weeks ago. And... uh, and, and, and she, she grew up in, uh, in a mission. And, um, and when she became teenager, she kind of lived uh, the wild life. And just living uh, according to like, what her friends were doing and all that. Until she encountered the Lord. And her life changed. And when I spoke to her two weeks ago and I said, so what does God mean to you now? And with so much enthusiasm, she was almost like shaking. She goes, Jonathan. God means everything to me. Wow. Speaking of sense of purpose and direction, God means everything to me. You know what? There is actually an eternal difference when you choose the path of the cursed life. And there's also an eternal difference when you choose the path of the blessed life. Proverbs 16:3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And He will establish your plans, and your plans will succeed. You want success in your life? Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Let's look at the second path, the second lifestyle. Living a blessed life. What does it mean? Living a blessed life means being planted in the Lord. Jeremiah paints this beautiful picture of a blessed life. Uh, The one lived in the will of God and the purposes of God. And he employs this imagery of a tree that is just so magnificent and grows and flourishes and roots going deeper. This is also described by David in the book of Psalm chapter 1. Where David was basically contrasting uh, living a, a wicked ungodly life and living a godly life. And David is comparing it to a tree planted deeply in the ground near streams of water. Psalm 1 verse 3 says in particular that that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That is the description of a blessed life. That when you are planted in the Lord, you are not a bush. You are not a tumbleweed in the desert. You will become a tree. With deep roots that are going to the ground. And do you know that when you plant a tree, the roots seek out where the water is. They seek out where the water is. And even if they experience drought, storm, rain, whatever it is, they actually have something solid and strong to hold on to. Because they are deeply rooted. My question to you tonight is that, are you deeply rooted in the Lord? Can you say... With all honesty in your heart, I am deeply rooted and planted in the Lord. Another way of looking at it is, are you planted in the house of God? Or you still haven't discovered where you should be? I have also met a lot of people we're just church hopping. It's like this smorgasbord of churches that are just like, oh, like you just kind of like eat all you can eat. You know, you just take, take, take what you can, and then you hop onto another church and you, you take what's good there and you hop on another, but you're never planted. And let me tell you, if you're that kind of person who's not planted in the house of God, who's not planted in the Lord, who's not planted in the family of God, your life will become a tumbleweed very soon. I don't care where you go, just get planted. We don't care where you go, just get planted and in that environment you will grow and flourish and experience the blessing of god proverbs 11:28 says a life devoted to things is a dead life wow a life devoted to things is a dead life a stump a god shaped life is a flourishing tree now that's beautiful i don't want to be a stump i don't want to be a weed i want to be a tree I want to be a tree, fulfilling the purpose of God in my life. When Janelle and I built our house in Melbourne, it was in a new estate, and so there's not a lot of trees, and we lived in a corner block. And so I decided to plant three trees right on the corner near the master bedroom. My plan is in case there's some hoons that turns the corner, and by mistake, just go straight to the master bedroom. So I planted this tree. They started small. And over time, over many years, it just became this massive tree, taller than me now. It's lush. It is beautiful. And it, the trunk is getting bigger and bigger. It's adding it's, uh, the beauty and aesthetic look of the front of the house. But it is also for protection. In other words, the tree that I have planted and intended actually fulfilled its purpose. Because there's a lot of hoons in our street. And so just in case, one of the purposes is to protect the house. And that's exactly what happens. When you are planted in the Lord, you will be able to fulfill your purpose. Not only fulfill, you will discover your purpose and fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Second, living a blessed life means protected by the Lord. Jeremiah is so instructive at this point. Trees planted deeply at the riverbank are like lives planted firmly in the Lord. And such trees or lives are not bothered by the heat. Or worried by long months of drought. Storms and struggles in life are inevitable, folks. No one is excused whether you're a Christian or not. We all go through storms of life. No one is excused from it. But for us believers and followers of Jesus, we have this hope. Because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Apostle Paul in Romans 8 declared that towards the later part of Romans 8. That no, in all these things, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then he went on to name what they are. Possibly. But none of those things can separate us from the love of God. Exodus 20, 13, 21 is a great, beautiful picture of God's protection to His people. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. This is how God protected His people as they journeyed out of Egypt into the promised land. And along the way, they have truly experienced the goodness, the protection, the faithfulness, the provision of God. Along the way. He was always there protecting them. Isn't that beautiful? And that same promise King David declared in Psalm 91 verse 4. Where he says, He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Wow. And you know what Jeremiah was basically saying? That if you choose to live this blessed life. You will not be harmed even in the heat of the day in the desert. You will not go thirsty. You will not go hungry. You will not be this. You will not be harmed. Why? Because the protection of the Almighty God is there covering you as if under His wings. That is the blessing of living a blessed life. And finally, of course, living a blessed life means being productive. In the Lord. Verse 8. Jeremiah says. "They will be like a tree planted by the water. That sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And never fails to bear fruit. You know the whole nation of Judah is described in Psalm 146, verse 3, uh, that it is foolish to trust in rulers and kings and princes and in human beings who cannot save. Judah had tried to obtain political strength when they trusted Egypt and Babylon, but the nation did, when the nation did not trust God and served Him, so they became a bush in the desert that has no fruit. The nation had no strength when an enemy attacked But you see, when you choose to live the blessed life, Jeremiah describes it, you will become a tree that's planted by streams of water. Your roots will go deeper. Your trunk will become taller and bigger. And you begin to show leaves. And even to the point of fruit. You will bear fruit all the way to your old age. Wow, that's amazing. And you will stay green and you will stay young. Oh my goodness, I want that. That's what I want. When I went to India, I thought they said I was 24. I was like, that's not bad. And when I told them how old I was, they were so shocked because they felt like, oh, he could be a grandfather. Anyway, just saying. You will be productive. In the Lord. God's desire for us is that we will be fruitful all the way, whatever stage of life you are. God's desire for us is to be fruitful. You know, the old hymn, Lord, make me a blessing to someone today, is really a prayer. And that is embedded in the theology of blessed to be a blessing that dates back to the covenant promise of God to Abraham in Genesis 12, where he says, I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Folks, let me tell you. We are blessed by God to be a blessing for God. Amen? We are blessed by God to be a blessing for God. That is God's desire for us. And when we become a blessing, we become fruitful. And how do we do that? Well, the New Testament reaffirms that in John chapter 15. When Jesus was saying to his disciples, remain in me. And I will remain in you. And he said in verse 1 and 2, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that they will be even more fruitful. Why do you think winemakers regularly and by schedule, do pruning of their vineyards so that they will get a great harvest, so that they will have even more grapes. Have you ever seen a vineyard that uh, that just kind of like no branches, no leaves and all that because they've just been through a process of pruning? And then three months later, you drive back again, Margaret River, Swan Valley, and you go, Oh, wow, look at that. It's so green now. And then the next time you go, Oh, look at that. The fruits are just falling to the ground. Why? Because the more pruning you do, the more fruitful you are. But when you are cut off, there is no fruit. There is no fruit. And yet God's desire for us is to be fruitful. And so let me close by saying this. That God did not just call us to be faithful. But He has also called us to be fruitful. The two needs to go hand in hand. Faithfulness, fruitfulness. Faithfulness, fruitfulness. And when we trust God in everything, we are blessed. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts that that is the only life worth living. Let us pray. Father, we just, um, we just thank you, Lord, for the words of Jeremiah and the lesson that we can learn from these few verses, Father. Lord, I pray that it will not just become a an intellectual comparison in our minds. But it will convict us in our hearts, Lord, to once and for all exercise our free will and make that choice tonight. And my prayer for all of us, myself included, that, they, that we will choose to live the blessed life. We don't want to be under a curse, Lord. Because we know for a fact that life is hard as it is. And so, Father, my prayer tonight, Lord God, is that each one of us will discover our purpose. That we will begin to embrace your will and your purpose in our lives so that we may find a sense of direction. And so, Lord, give us the spirit and the wisdom to understand your will for our lives. So many times, Lord, we have tried it, doing it out of our own strength, yet we know we failed so many times too. And so, Father, as we look ahead to the future, our prayer, Lord God, that if there is any feeling of uncertainty, any feeling of lack of purpose and direction in anyone's heart tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, that you will show us the way. And when we see it, that we will choose to walk that path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.